0: If you would grab your seats Hey, one fun announcement Another, we're just celebrating everything tonight There's just, it's it's the end of May Like, if you have kids Your kids have had 75 celebrations in the classroom So we're just going to celebrate a lot tonight This Thursday, Don Matthews Don, would you please stand for us Don turns 91 on Thursday (laughs) Wave at the people, Don Wave at the people What a stallion Okay. So here's the routine. Don and Shirley, every Friday night before church, they get in their car, they drive up the highway and they, most often I think they go to In-N-Out Burger, but they've got a couple different places that they frequent and they walk in and they have dinner and they finish it off a little ice cream. Then they come over here at 545 and just spend every Friday night with us. And I tell them every week I see them, I want to be like you. 91 and 84 years old, serving Jesus, 12 kids between the two of them. Give it up for Don and Shirley. Happy birthday, Don. Happy birthday. If you have your Bibles, turn toward the back of the book. Just if you don't have your Bible and you're looking at your phone, that's fine. If you don't have either, uh, don't look at your phone. Look at the screen. Anyway, we're in 1 John chapter 4, and this is week 6 going through our series Uh, learning love through 1 John. And so what I'll do is I'll read the text, the first six verses of 1 John chapter four. I'll read this text and I'll pray and we'll jump in. So hear ye the word of the Lord. It says, dear friends, do not believe every spirit. (laughs) Let that sentence just kind of Simmer: do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. This is how you can recognize. This is how you can recognize the spirit of God. Every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. Flag that. Every spirit that recognizes that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God, but every spirit that that, that does not acknowledge Jesus is not from God, and this is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard is coming, and even now is already in the world, but you, dear children, are from God, and you have overcome them, because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world, and they are from the world, and therefore speak from the viewpoint of the world, and the world listens to them, But we are from God, and whoever knows God listens to us, but whoever is not from God does not listen to us. And this is how we can recognize the spirit of truth and the spirit of falsehood. This is the word of the Lord, and all God's people said, thanks be to God. Let's pray. Jesus Christ, I need you. Jesus Christ, we need you. If we come here and this is some human gathering where I'm expected to drum something up and be creative and be winsome and tell a few stories, and Lord, we have wasted our night if that's what we're doing here. But we didn't get in our cars and drive all this way because of that. We're here because we've heard from so many other people this week and it was bad news. We're here because we've heard the chaos of the world and the wars and the rumors of wars and we know how dark it is out there. We're here tonight because we believe you, God, are the God who speaks. And when you speak, life comes. And when you speak, life breaks out. And when you speak, light dispels the darkness. And when you speak, we hear that great peace be still. And so Lord, I pray you would say peace be still tonight over us. I pray that your words would race through this place and that your words would race through our heart. We say, come, Holy Spirit. Would you begin to just say, come, Holy Spirit? Come, Holy Spirit, we invite you to speak to us. We pray tonight, may the words of our mouths and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our redeemer. And we pray these things tonight in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and all God's people said have you ever seen something that just looks so right? But then it comes to nothing. Like those Oakleys that I bought in Juarez, Mexico. <laughs> when I was 12 years old, went on my sixth grade mission trip, we went from El Paso del Norte and we crossed the border down into Juarez and we went over there and, the, and everything was just amazing. And I could get some Oakleys for $2? And like... A day later, the side is chipping off of it, you know. I call them Folklies, the fake Oakleys, you know. And you've seen something that looks so good and then comes to nothing. It was uh, a time that I was at Madison Square Garden. I was at Union Station there in New York City and... I was out there doing some work and I had an extra evening that just came free. And the Bulls were in town playing the Knicks. And I married a Chicago girl, and I loved watching MJ growing up. So the Bulls and the Knicks, great. So I'm out there in the in in Union Square, out in front of Madison Square Garden. And uh, this guy comes up, he goes, Tickets? I go, yes. It just won. And he goes, Oh man, I got you, bro. And he gets out this ticket and I say, How much? He goes, you know, face value right here, show me the ticket. And he goes, it's two twenty five, but it, the game is just now tipping off. And I I need to get rid of it. I'll give it to you for 75. And I pulled out 75 cash. Boom, boom, boom. I walk up to the gate. I hand the guy the ticket and he gets the scanner and it doesn't make a noise. And I'm like, just move it around a little bit because it's real. You know, it's real. It's one of those real ones. And I got a deal, bro. And he's holding the scanner over it and it's not making any noise. He goes, You stupid, bro. He goes, you got screwed, man. You stupid, bro. And the 75 bucks just ran away. I saw the guy going, ha!
1: Ah! you know?
0: <laughs> You ever seen something that looks so real, but then it comes to nothing? This is what John is talking about in 1 John 4, verse 1, when he says, test the spirits to see whether they are from God. Be careful, you, it might look good, it might sound good, it might feel good, it, you might think you got a deal, you might think that it's gonna work out in your favor, but then you get up there and there's no, there's, there's no sound. It's not real, it's not authentic, it's, it's, a, it's a cheap corner that you tried to cut and it ends in death. Have you ever seen something that looks so right? And John says, test the spirits to see whether they're from God. And I wanna put two Greek words in front of you tonight. I don't do this all the time, but I think these two words are really helpful for us to consider. When John says test the spirits, the first Greek word I want you to see is dokimazete. He puts this word dokimazete in front of us and the the, test the spirits. And dokimazete, it's used three times in the New Testament and it's a really crucial word and it means to test as in metallurgy. People who are testing gold, people who are testing metals, people who are testing precious stones, people who are testing diamonds. It means to prove or to try or to examine or to scrutinize. It means to approve after trial, to judge worthy, to decide upon after examination, to distinguish, to discern. John says... Dokimazete, test the spirits to see whether they're from God because there's a lot of stuff out there on the market. There's a lot of people hawking their products. There's a lot of people who are, who are really great at selling their thing to you, but it doesn't pay off, it doesn't lead to life. He says, test the spirits, dokimazete, discern, distinguish, approve after trial. And why does he say this? Because he says in verse 1b, many false prophets have gone out into the world, many false prophets. The second Greek word that John uses that I want you to see tonight is this Greek word, look at it. Just before I say it, look at it. Pseudo prophetes. Pseudo, like sort of, kind of. Is it? Pseudo prophetes. Sort of prophets. Fake prophets. Scammy prophets. Prophets. Prophets that kind of look good from a distance, but upon further doki mazete, it doesn't hold up. Test it, because many pseudo-prophetes have gone out into the world, and you find them on every street corner, and you find them on websites all over the globe. There's so many pseudo-prophetes out there, one who, acting the part of a divinely inspired prophet, utters falsehoods under the name of divine prophecies. They look good, they sound good, they dress good, but they're still false prophets. There's a battle going on for your life. There's a battle going on for your worship. There's a battle going on for your affection. You are being competed for. Your name is on a list that someone is buying because they want to sell something to you. And I'm not saying marketing is bad. I'm saying that, 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 that the enemy has got your name on a list and he wants to lead you astray. And many pseudo-prophetes have gone out into the world to try to lead you astray. It's really important for us to wake up To pay attention, we've got to use our head. And I'll just say tonight at the beginning, the gift of discernment may be one of the most underappreciated gifts of the Holy Spirit. We want people who can do stuff. We want people who can light up a stage. We want people who can wave their hand and the crowd goes out. We want people who can light it up and sing. We want people who look good. We want people who are, uh, we want Brad Pitt's in the kingdom of God. We want all—I mean, love Brad Pitt. You know, thank God for him. Doing good, decent work out there occasionally. Uh, But what we want—we want to just—we want to take what we love about the world and overlay it on the kingdom of God. And it doesn't pay off. The gift of discernment may be one of the most underappreciated gifts of the Holy Spirit, Lisa and I don't let our kids hang out with too many people. Someone asked me years ago, uh, you know, what's your babysitter list? You know, who do you, and I was like, it's kind of a small list, and they're like, why? Because there's not many? I go, no, there's just not many I'd let have my kids. And like, we're, we're, we're picky, we're choosy, we're, we are discriminant in the holy kinds of ways about the kinds of influences that we let into the lives of our three most precious treasures on planet Earth. Why? Because many pseudo-prophetes have gone out into the world. It's dangerous out there. And John is saying, test the spirits to see if they're from God. Don 't unthinkingly accept everything that has the name of Jesus Christ slapped on it. Because people have discovered that Jesus is good business for them. You put that little fish on your card, hey, phone starts ringing. "Oh, it's man of God man." And then six months in you're like, "No, it's not. They got the fish, but they don't have the character. The scriptural phrase for us slapping the name of Jesus on everything that we want just so that we can get ahead is taking the Lord's name in vain. And many people, they, they just don't care about how they use the name. They, that's exactly it, they use the name. And John says, pay attention, Test." Because pseudo-prophetes are everywhere you go. Keep your eyes open. Approve it after trial. Pay attention. Be in the right kinds of ways. Discriminate. Not discriminating. Not, not hating other kinds of people. But, but paying attention to what is true and what is false and what is light and what is darkness. And what comes from God and what comes from the devil. Lots of people are borrowing the name. We know today that in our social media age and with all the technology, there's a rise in identity theft, but I'll also say that there's a similar rise in divinity theft. Borrowing God. So what should we be looking for in discerning the spirit of God? John says, test to see it's from God. And he says, let me give you the litmus test for how you can know if something is is from God. How do we know whether a spirit is from God or if a spirit is from the devil? John puts it right here in front of us on a silver platter, verses two and three. He says, this is how you can recognize the spirit of God. Every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh. That's interesting to me that he doesn't just say every spirit that acknowledges Jesus Christ. He says, every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God, but every spirit that does not acknowledge Jesus, if they throw Jesus to the side, well, that's pretty simple. It's not from God. But not just people who say the name of Jesus, but everyone who acknowledges that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh, that's from God. But the spirits that don't, we know it's not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist which you have heard is coming and even now is already in the world. And this is the major, one of the major themes of 1 John. And you see it in 2 John, verse seven. He says, many deceivers who do not acknowledge Jesus Christ as having come in the flesh have gone out into the world. Any such person is a deceiver and the antichrist. So why does it matter that Jesus Christ came in the flesh? If John says this over and over again, Jesus in the flesh, Jesus in the flesh, Jesus as a real person, why, why does that matter? First, the, one of the great theologians of the church, uh, church father, Gregory of Nazianzus, says that which has not been assumed by Jesus has not been healed by Jesus. So if Jesus didn't become a true human being, tempted in every way just as we are, if Jesus didn't enter into that temptation and take on the human desiring mechanism, that which broke in us first in Genesis chapter three has not been healed. So obviously, theologically, we need Jesus to have become human so that divinity becoming humanity can take up our humanity into his divinity, right? You see this exchange. That matters. But it also matters, let me put this in front of you, it matters that Jesus came in the flesh. For another reason, I'll ask this question, why does the spirit of the Antichrist want to say that Jesus wasn't real? Why do the false prophets want to say that Jesus wasn't real? I'll kind of take you on this journey here. One, because if Jesus came in the flesh, he was undeniably real. If Jesus was real, his teaching was real. And if his teaching was real, it would actually make claims on our lives. And if his teaching made claims on us, we would have to repent and to turn from death. Okay. Uncle. Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. He was born of the Virgin Mary and and watched him rise. And at 30 years old, he was baptized. And he came up out of the water and the heavens opened. And people saw it and people heard it. And this is my son whom I love in him. I'm well pleased. And the the, the spirit as like a dove descended on him. And he rose from those waters and went out into the the, the wilderness to be tempted by the devil for 40 days of praying and fasting. But he came out of the wilderness in the power of the spirit. And he cast out demons and he raised the dead. And the blind see, the lame walk, the deaf hear, and the dead are raised, and the poor have the the gospel preach like Jesus was real. And they hung him on a tree on a Friday night, but then Sunday he wasn't dead anymore. And then they watched him. 500 people up to 500 saw him ascend to the right hand of the father and they go, all right, let's go to Jerusalem and wait for the spirit. Jesus came in the flesh and he said things and he did things and he fed the poor and he clothed the naked and he lifted up the, the adulterer from the dust and said go and sin no more and restoring them to their fullness of life. Jesus was a real figure in real history and if Jesus is real then his teaching is real and if his teaching is real then those teachings make claims on us and we have to decide one way or the other, choose life or choose death and if Jesus' teachings are real and they make claims on us it might actually cost us something and so the pseudo prophetes go yeah Jesus was just kind of a hallucinogenic moment in Jerusalem's ancient history he was just this floating figure over the ether he wasn't actually real and he's just a nice guru that you can tuck into your pantheon of nice preachers through the ages Jesus wasn't real you can see why they would have skin in the game because if Jesus was real then they go out of business you tracking with me here tonight? Yes. The antichrist spirit anxiously wants to distract us. Jesus wasn't really Lord. He was just a spirit force. He was just a moral teacher. He was a guru. He was a nice person. He liked kids. But he wasn't Lord. And you don't have to bow your knee to him. Actually, why don't you just come over here and bring your credit card and bow the knee to us? The pseudo-prophetes have skin in the game for trying to decenter Jesus. The Antichrist spirit is perfectly fine with us adding Jesus to our pantheon of prophets, but it will do anything to keep us from worshiping Jesus as the one true Lord. You can have Jesus on your own terms, but let's not get too serious about this Jesus guy. There's a whole lot of great teaching out there. There's a whole lot of great philosophy. It's just Jesus, tuck him in. But they don't want you to worship Jesus as the one true Lord. And I'll just say we are not unlike John's audience. I think we live in a pretty similar scenario today. People who will say to us, and this is everywhere you go, you don't really need Jesus, you need alignment with your deepest inner resonance. Just just find the mojo. Find the juju right here deep down in your soul and you can just kinda lock it in on your own and and you don't need Jesus, you just need to guard your energy, right? Just guard your energy. Listen, what does that mean, right? What does that mean? I need Jesus because Jesus will be the one to tell me to forgive my enemies. I need Jesus because Jesus will be the one to tell me to stay clean in my mind and in my body. I need Jesus because he'll tell me to bless those that curse me and to pray for those who despitefully use me. And even if it costs me, even if I have to stretch out my own arms and take up my own cross and deny myself and follow Jesus, Jesus says, even if it kills you, don't worry, death isn't the last bit. I'll raise you up if you trust me by. It. You need me to follow Jesus and I need you to follow Jesus. But the world that we're living in is a world full of pseudo-prophetes who are trying to decenter Jesus. Just manifest your truest self. Don't take up a cross and deny yourself. You just need to practice mindfulness and connection with the earth. Just go out on some more hikes and you'll be fine. I'm all for hiking. I'm all for meditation. I'm all for yoga. That's fine. Do your thing. You still need Jesus after all that stuff. You need Jesus way and beyond and you can just grow as big as you want. If you got Jesus and you don't have yoga, you'll be fine. If you have yoga and you don't have Jesus, you're screwed. But you see what we're saying here, like there's this moment, there's this moment where people are trying, I'll just say it this way, the spirit of error works to disincarnate Jesus. He wasn't really flesh, he wasn't really human, that disincarnation, Jesus is the incarnate word, the fleshly word of God on planet Earth. The spirit of error works to disincarnate Jesus and decenter him from the full focus of our worship. And what happens when we buy into this thinking? What happens when we buy into this thinking that Jesus wasn't actually flesh and blood, that he wasn't a real person, is that we start peop- treating people like trash. Think about this. Like we need God to become man so that God, the God-man can teach us, man and women, how to treat other people. When you disincarnate Jesus and decenter him from the full focus of your worship, stuff like this begins to happen. It, that begins to make it possible for Christian organizations to be led by tyrants who are out there getting stuff done in the name of Jesus. Running people over and uh, depersonalizing people and abusing people in the name of God. And Eugene Peterson famously wrote one time, you cannot do the Jesus work in the devil's way. But when you disincarnate Jesus and decenter him and you turn him into some kind of special, spiritual figure out there in the ether, what happens is it doesn't really matter how you use your bodies then. It doesn't really matter then how you treat people then. What happens when we decenter Jesus and disincarnate Jesus is when those telemarketers call us, some of us start giving them the what for. Have you ever talked mean to someone like that? Like, First of all, I can almost guarantee you that they didn't really want that job. It just happens to be the job that works for them right now in this season of their life. So let's just not make it any worse. Let's not depersonalize and let's not dehumanize. Just, be, just say, I'm sorry, I'm not interested. You can take me on your, off your list if you want. Thanks, have a great day, bye. But yelling at people, driving, you know, at the grocery store checkout line, losing your temper, that can only happen when we decenter Jesus and disincarnate Jesus and say, if, if God wasn't man, it doesn't really matter how we treat each other. No, it does. It does, he became flesh. A summary of John right here in chapter four, he says, test the spirits. And don't listen to that Jesus is Lord stuff from people who refuse to recognize and get in line with how he lived his earthly life. Jesus is Lord at the Grammys. They stand up, they got their you know, trophy, at, at whatever it's called, the thing, statue, the gold thing. Singers accepting the Grammys, and they won the song of the year, and the song of the year is filled with filthy sexual references, but I'd like to thank my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ while you're teaching teenagers to go abuse other people's bodies give me a break we can only do that when we disincarnate jesus and decenter jesus as the full focus of our worship and now we become the center of the story and we tack god's name onto stupid stuff you see what i'm saying this is why john says test the spirits to see if they're from God. I remember being at a, an event where I was a, t- a teenager and I was playing drums and this amazing world-class athlete flies into Tulsa on a private jet. And I'm so stoked. Mom and dad were there that night. To- maybe center in Tulsa, Oklahoma was jam packed with 10,000 people. And I'm 14 years old. I'm playing drums and just this intoxicating moment. And he comes up with the entourage and he gets up there and he stands on stage telling us about his championships and all that he's done in the world. And everyone is just hanging on every word. And he's up there going, you know, I'd like to thank my Lord and savior, Jesus Christ. And then the night's over and he gets on the plane and flies back home. And the next day I turn on sports center next day. I'm 14 years old. And there's a story about this man having ten love children with five different women. I'd like to thank my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ like taking the name of the Lord in vain. It can only happen when we depersonalize and decenter and disincarnate Jesus and use Jesus as our mascot. And John says, Jesus is not your mascot. Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. And so humble yourself and bow the knee and look up at the cross. This is what holiness looks like. And this is what love looks like. It's not love if it doesn't cost you something. It's not love if you're using other people to get what you want. You don't call that love, you call that lust but love is willing to die for the good of the other. And John says, test the spirits because many pseudo-prophetes have gone out into the world telling you that you can have God on your own terms and you can write your own story and you can build your own life and it doesn't matter and God will never tighten the screws on you and he doesn't care what you do with your body and he doesn't care how you treat other people. Do you see how you can only get there if you send Jesus off up into the ether? And he's no longer Lord, he's just kind of a nice moral teacher. John says, Test the spirits, test the spirits because it's all over out there. I'll say it this way as I'm coming to a close do not trust any spiritual teacher that's moving away from a transformative encounter with Jesus. Don't don't trust any spiritual teacher that's moving away from a transformative encounter with Jesus. If a a spiritual teacher, if you're with a teacher and you leave the thing remembering how great they are, that's a pseudo profetes. If you leave a spiritual teacher and 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 really your 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 thing is, I, I need to go buy a new product. That's, that, that's not, no. If you, but if you leave the presence of someone who claims to know God and who claims to worship Jesus Christ and at the end of it, you want to sacrifice and you want to worship the one true living God and you want to honor your brothers and sisters and you want to go take care of the poor and you want to give strength to the needy and you want to lift up the weary. If you want to sacrifice, if you want to fall on your face and go build a prayer closet for yourself and, and spend your life in the presence of the Lord, if you want to even consider denying yourself and taking up your cross and following Jesus, you will know that you have been in the presence of someone who is filled with the spirit of Jesus because you will not ever be in the presence of someone who is filled with the spirit of Jesus that makes you want to rise up and go take advantage of people. You will not ever be in the presence of someone that is filled with the spirit of Jesus and you leave being intoxicated with their celebrity status. You will not ever be in the presence of someone who's filled with the spirit of Jesus that makes you feel small, that makes you feel undignified, that makes you feel like a fool. But when you are truly with someone who is With the spirit of Jesus, hope rises in you. Faith rises in you. Courage rises in you. Love rises in you. You might actually entertain forgiving that person that took advantage of you. You might actually just start by praying for their blessing. Much as it might cost you, you keep looking through that person. Here's the thing about someone who's filled with the Spirit of Jesus they're almost kind of translucent. You can see through them, and when you see through them, you see a cross, you see love. You see mercy, you see tenderness. You see someone who'd be willing to wash the feet of the world right there in front of them. If the situation arose, they'd be ready to take off their robe of royalty and get down on their knees. And to dignify, and to cover, and to wash, and to bless, and to serve. And John says, test the spirits. Because we live in a world full of pseudo prophets. We live in a world that will destroy you if you fall in love with the spirit that is animated by the spirit of error, the spirit of the devil. But if you apprentice yourself to Jesus and if you keep your eyes open and if you ask the Holy Spirit for that underappreciated gift of discernment and as you just keep your head on a swivel and you're watching for the right opportunities and you're watching for who you need to surround your children with and you're watching for the people that you might need to stay away from because it doesn't feel clean. It doesn't feel holy. It doesn't feel trustworthy. If you'll just spend your life in the presence of Jesus, worshiping him and testing the Spirit's you'll get a whole lot of work done for the kingdom of God. And you'll travel well along the way and you'll have avoided so many mistakes. You'll have avoided so many distractions. You'll have avoided so many embarrassing moments like me thinking I was buying something real but there was nothing to it. If you worship Jesus and if you ask for discernment and if you continue to test the spirits and approve after trial. You'll show up toward the end of your life full and holy and strong. I'll say it this way. Stay with the story of Jesus and submit your life to the way of Jesus. Avoid all the teachers who are leading you away from Jesus. If they make you suspicious of the son of God, maybe stay away. If they make you suspicious of the kindness of the spirit of God, maybe stay away. If they make you suspicious of being merciful in the world and and they teach you that you've got to power up and you've got to go out and get yours and you've got to conquer everybody else, maybe stay away from that because that is not the spirit of truth. That is the spirit of the antichrist who has to go out and get his. Friends, if you'll stay with the story of Jesus, And if you'll submit your life to the way of Jesus, you'll show up and you'll have lived that long, full obedience. You'll have some scars, of course, because that's just life on planet Earth. But you'll have made it through with wisdom. You'll have made it through with composure. You'll have made it through with peace. Friends, stay with the story of Jesus. John, right here as I'm closing. 1 John 4, 4. I grew up hearing this Some of you, if you've been around church, you may not even have been around church and you've heard 1 John 4, 4, but look what he says. You, dear children, are from God and you have overcome them because greater is he who is in you than the one who is in the world. I'm here to tell you tonight, you have the power to walk faithfully with Jesus for the long haul. Greater is he who is in you than the one who's in the world. And mercy... When you get mercy down in you in a competitive dog-eat-dog world, I'm here to tell you, it doesn't add up in a spreadsheet, but greater is he who is in you than the one who is in the world. And when you live in forgiveness, instead of sticking it to that person and trying to make them feel your ire for the rest of your life, I'm here to tell you, greater is he who is in you than the one who is in the world, and the meek are those who inherit the earth. And so, friends, tonight, I'm here to call you to test the spirits. Be discerning. Mistrust any spirit that leads you away from the story of Jesus. Mistrust the spirit of the Antichrist that would encourage you to go fight for yours. And and, and look at the one Jesus Christ who is willing to live open-armed. Live in the presence of Jesus. And as you do, you're going to make it greater is he who is in you and he that's in the world. Can you say amen tonight, church? Would you stand with me? Our communion servers are gonna come forward right now. And we're about to worship the Lord. If you're new with us, what we do is we we come through the room and we get the communion elements. If you're physically not able, no shame. Just tap your neighbor and say, bring me one. They'll be happy to. But we're gonna move through the room here now as we worship. You get the communion elements. Go stand back at your seat and worship the Lord and in just a minute I'll come back up and we'll receive together from the table of the Lord. Let's worship Jesus together. open your communion elements tonight i actually think the table of the lord is one of the most beautiful ways of discerning what the spirit of god is like think about jesus hours before getting arrested he's about to go into the garden of gethsemane he's with his people what does he do in john 13 he gets up from the table He's the one who's in charge. He's the the guest of honor. He takes off his robe. He washes their feet. And then he takes the bread. He says, you want to know what the spirit of God is like? This is my body, which is broken for you. This is my blood, which is shed for you. Jesus is there in his mercy and his love and his self-sacrifice to give his life away. And so every week when we come to the table of the Lord, it's a rebuke to the dog-eat-dog world that would try to say, I've got to go get my... No, I'm, I'm trusting Jesus, the Jesus who lays down his life. And so, friends, tonight, Jesus takes the bread for us, just as he did with his disciples that night. And he breaks it. Would you break that little wafer in your hand? Imagine Jesus reaching across the table tonight and putting it in your hands, and he says, this is my body, which is broken for you. This is what love looks like. And every time you do this, do this for the remembrance. Remember what I'm like. This is my body, which is broken for you. And so Jesus Christ, we receive you tonight. Would you begin to just talk to Jesus? Don't think this, don't be thoughtless about this. Think this through. Jesus, we want your life to get inside of us. We want your way of being to get inside of us. We want your tenderness to get inside of us. We want your mercy to get inside of us. We want your wholeness to get inside of us. Jesus says, this is my body broken for you. As often as you do this, remember. Friends, you may receive the body of Jesus tonight. Well, Daniel, what about the failure? what about the times where I didn't test the spirits what about the moments where I missed it what about the moments where I wasn't acting in love I was acting in lust I wasn't serving I was using you're at the right table tonight
1: because
0: Jesus knows what we come to the table with (laughs) he says this cup is the new covenant It's the new covenant, God and man coming together. God is for us. It's the new covenant and it's given in my blood. It's gonna cost me everything so that you can be well and I'll pay everything so that you can be well. He says this cup's the new covenant given in my blood and it's given for the remission of your sins. And as often as you do this, Jesus said, remember, And so tonight, I'm here to proclaim the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ, that if any person be in Christ, you are a new creation. The old is gone, and the new has come. The old stuff has been washed away. It's been buried in the sea of forgetfulness. You are not your worst failure. You are a child of God because God's son came and made you a son or a daughter in God's house. You are clean. You are forgiven. You've been washed. And all God's people said, amen. You may receive the cup tonight.